Introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cams. It can be easily installed at your convenience and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. That's right. Somehow we have managed to not get canceled, which means we are back with another episode of the E-League Report, the best damn esports show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian, he's Seven, and we're coming at you live from a band parked close enough to the E-League studios that we can leech on their Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, but we have to get approval from someone within E-League to actually get on the internet. So. We're, on the guest, we're on the guest network, so this might cut in and out. Oh, well, you know, hey, it's better than being in the closet. At least this way we can uh, we can turn the heat on. <laughs> yes, yes, it gets a little frigid in that uh, janitor's closet. But we've got a big show in store for you today. This week we've entered the upside down in League of Legends. No idea what the hell is going on at Worlds right no. now. Black Ops is making that bank. And Arena of Valor continues to expand its esports footprint. But first, we have the ballsiest case of cheating in Counter-Strike that I may have ever seen in an actual live esports tournament. Well, okay, it's the ballsiest case you've ever seen someone get caught doing, right? Because it's... Ball, yes. I mean, in all honesty, uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, according to a couple of people, um, uh, so, well, I guess to give the actual... Are, are, those your, are those your sources, a couple of people? No, no, no. So they're uh, BTNet, I think is his name. Uh, BNT, I can't remember exactly. Anyways, uh, it's, it's like, this is... This is CSGO in India. Like, I don't really follow it that closely. Um, but anyways, it's, it's been known for a while that, uh, according to some people, that Forsaken has been cheating. He's also received bans in the past from Valve. In 2017, uh, and, for right. his account being associated, and he got out on some sort of loophole <laughs> based on claiming that he was not the owner of the account per how the EULA defines an owner. Right. So essentially, uh, what has happened is Forsaken, who is uh, on uh, Optic India's uh, team uh, was recently at uh, an event. What was the event? Uh, Epic Extreme, Extreme Land. Land. Yeah, yeah, so their Extreme Land uh, essentially gets caught uh, having cheats on on the land PC. Even dubbed them, titled them Word, like Word.exe, Word.bak, and that like, really fooled log. some folks. He's like, I'm working on my homework while I'm playing Counter Strike. <laughs> right, right. Just writing an essay, and just happened to be like aiming at people through walls. You know, it's, it's whatever. Uh, so you know, it's a thing. He can just write, "I will not cheat at CS:GO" over and over again in that Word doc now. Well, that's all. That's the only thing he has left that he can actually do because not only did he get booted from Optic Gaming, uh, the entire team was disbanded. Optic chose to get rid of them completely, uh, largely because not only were they uh, kicked out of this event, but now ESL is looking into their recent uh, Premiership Summer event, and they may yep. have to give back their winnings. And I bet they're pretty sure that he was cheating. Well, yeah, because everybody was already saying that they, they were fairly certain he was as well. So this is somebody who just got uh, his uh, account status, I think, this year. It went from like a lifetime ban or like a six-year ban to like a 
That he so, was he shortened? Got, so he got a two-year ban in 2017 for that incident that we referenced earlier where basically the team that they were up against came out and said, you have been cheating on this account. They gave the account name. They had originally banned it for two years. Uh, recently, ESL took that down to six months, which just allowed him to play. Clearly, no major squad was going to take a chance on him, but Optic has this India squad that is supposed to be kind of like an outreach to underserved Counter-Strike uh, markets. And guess what? He's never playing again because this was... I don't know if you saw the video, but it was ridiculous. He's got one of the tournament judges leaning over his shoulder, trying to like figure out what's going on. And he's like trying to stop him from looking. And then he goes to look, and the dude's like trying to delete it as he's checking on it. Grabs his hand. like It was the most absurd thing you've ever seen. Like, could you look any more guilty? Like If he deleted it, then it would be okay. He wouldn't get caught, right? Like. Right, right. They would never know. They would never be able to check the trash bin. What right? he was really concerned with is he had a pirated copy of Microsoft Word, and he didn't want them to find out. That's right. He doesn't want Microsoft coming down on him. But now uh, the the Esports Integrity Coalition, or uh, ESIC, is actually looking into this um, and may issue a lifetime ban, which means he won't be able to play at any esports. Good. Fuck that guy. Well, all right. I mean, all that's right. what I'm well, no, I mean, it is, it is really bad. It is really bad that someone uh, of this stature could... Um, uh, take down the entire team and and when optic jumped into the india market it was like you said it's a it's an it's underserved a good market will measure in a lot of ways absolutely and now they're pulling completely out because uh one they're going to more than likely have to give back the money that they won if it's found out that he actually did it yep. and uh it just it, it it sucks for that whole scene because mm-hmm. of just one person who chose to Throw a throw a hack on at a LAN, in and I think I think he looked at the folder path and it was in the OG for Optic Gaming's uh, actually temp folder. So it wasn't even like well hidden. It was legit just in their temp folder. Well, idiots be idiots. So Optic India came out and said, We stand strongly against any form of cheating as it not only tarnishes the local roster, but potentially harms competitive integrity in the region. And then ironically follows this up with, Therefore, we have terminated Forsaken's contract for his actions. And at this time, we are also releasing the remaining roster to pursue new opportunities with other competitive options. Which basically just came to fruition the thing that they said that this would cause and they pull out effectively out of the india scene for now we don't know whether this means a new squad in india a squad in another market or if they just you know never get back around to it but that's a pretty big thing and i don't know if i necessarily understand why they chose to let the entire roster go as opposed to go find a new player to replace him well okay if you look at Opta gaming having some money troubles this past uh, what past couple of weeks i think it was announced yes. maybe in the yeah. last month infinite in there yeah uh, infinite there, there so many many infinite problems so you look at the the problems that they're having and you take the account that you you may have now uh, an empty spot on your csgo roster you just got booted from a tournament you're going to have to possibly pay back money because of this player and now, I mean, granted, it was said that the other four players did not know he was cheating and therefore would not have continued to play if they had known he was cheating simply because of the risk involved with them also losing whatever. And well, of I course get they'd it. say that. I, well, I, right, right. But now, if they're even still still suspect because they because he was doing it, right? And, now, and likely at multiple tournaments, like you mentioned, right? Like This is not the first one where they think this has happened, which leads me to believe that it's hard... It's hard for me to believe that the team did not know at this stage or would not have strongly assumed that that's what was happening. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think you want to give someone the benefit of a doubt in terms of how they're playing, but at the same point in time, uh, it it is it's questionable. I, I think at any given time, like people used to say that Stewie was always cheating when he was like way younger. He was just kind of like prodigy coming up, and everybody thought he was just he was just cheating constantly. And it turns out that he actually wasn't. He was just pretty damn good. And people didn't want to believe it. And I think a lot of people didn't want to believe that Forsaken was, including his teammates. Uh, but it turns out he actually was more, probably more than once. And so this is just this is just bad, bad, bad news for obviously the uh, CSGO scene or esports scene from an India standpoint. Uh, it just sucks for Optic to have to take out of there or to leave that because they actually they were doing well. But now we know why they were doing well in some yes. way, shape, or form. Aimbots um, seem to make the game easier. Yeah, and I think you wanted you wanted to see Optic take this chance, jump into India, India's market. It was, seemed like you said like, such a goodwill measure, uh, and to see them succeed and do well, like that was just it's like a, an amazing story, and it yep. is now just now it's going to go down in history as the dumbest thing that could have happened, yep. ruining it versus it being just an awesome. It was just done in such a horrible, sloppy way. Like, again, like not saying that he should have, you know, if he would have hit it better, this would have been better. I think the larger narrative, because I saw this, how I first saw this story, and this is what always worries me, is it's like a trending story on Twitter, which means there's a potential for people outside of esports that don't normally follow the scene to see this. And of course, the headline in Twitter moments is CSGO player caught cheating. No context to the relative lack, no offense, but lack of importance of this scene compared to the main CSGO scene. And people will see this as yet another reasons why esports has a problem, not potentially legitimate. And not, I don't want to go all hyperbolic on the thing, but it is something that I worry about. Like As these things continue to happen, it does help advance the narrative for those that want to carry that narrative forward that esports has this potential challenge of cheating being much easier than it would be in traditional sports. And you throw in the betting thing and all the things we tend to talk about around this topic, and that worries me too. I, I don't know if it's... Okay, so yes, esports has... A, a problem that yes there there can be cheating right i mean that is evident and if you, you i know you don't want to like explode that narrative and maybe even go down that path but i i mean this is just a a good forewarning i think for anybody who's getting into esports betting that this can happen yep. right this could be and will problem. happen right and, and if bet and if these players again you know we talked about this in the past but if you're making forty thousand dollars a year is like a c-level csgo player and someone offers you a hundred grand to throw a tournament or to cheat in a tournament you're gonna take it because it's more money than you're gonna potentially make the entire year and it is relatively easy obviously he got caught but if you look at the relative ease in which he was able to do it someone who was a little smarter and a little bit more careful could have easily have hidden this a bit better and possibly gotten away with it i mean he really has we assume, gotten away with this in the past. It was only at this tournament that he ended up getting caught. And that's scary because these are the type of tournaments that people that are trying to screw with betting and get people to throw games tend to attack. You don't see, like, in world soccer, they're not making money off the Champions League. They're not making money off the World Cup. They're targeting B and C tier leagues in small countries because they can get action. These people are not making hardly any money, so they're easy targets for paying them off to throw things. And people and regulators are not paying close enough attention because no one cares about the CSGO scene in India to the degree that they care about the main CSGO scene. So you can get away with it in a little nook of the esports world like this is. Right. And, and I totally I totally agree. I think we've uh, read stories in the past where they've talked about that B and C tier, whatever you want to call it, or tier two, tier three uh, kind of level of uh, esports is one that's really, really harped on the most. Right. And so 
in this case, it, it's is it easier for or or are e, is esports more susceptible to cheating than a traditional sport? I don't think there's any true real difference. The only difference is the amount of money that the people are actually making and how easy it is to flip them. Right, going and trying to convince someone who's making. $20 million a year to throw a game is going to take more money than someone who's making $20,000, right? Like they're more willing to, to flip and make uh, and make more money, which is still nothing compared to what some of the pros are actually making in traditional sports. And I think, I, I, I think we still have to be wary of it. I think people, there has to be some kind of system to, to follow it. I know we've already gone down this road. And we, we, we said we wouldn't go down this road. Now here we are. Now we're going to have to put it in the, in the bullet points. If you're we're like, see those E-League people. Yeah, oh, man, but I, I just I just think that it's uh, it, it is something that still has to be watched, and I think uh, administrators uh, typically at these events don't pay a ton of attention, right? And when you no, because if a- you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna flip things on its head from a cheating standpoint, it's far easier to throw and far harder to get caught throwing than it is to buff yourself in a way like this to try to win yeah technically technically they he was just attempting to to win straight up he wasn't bought necessarily to throw he could have been paid to to win in this fashion but i i i no, it's I much it. riskier than like you know virtus pro just like giving up and no one you know just chalking it up to them being tired <laughs> just being old yeah just being old just being old. it was past 7 p.m that's bedtime <laughs> So what he's learned is next time you name your file minesweeper.exe and then no one will have any clue. No, no. Solves all the problems. Or admin, don't look here. Yeah, admin, do not look here. And then write your password for it on a post-it note, stick it on your monitor. <laughs> That's what gave it away. He had the, <laughs> the actual the hotkey to, to enable it and disable like, it. To cheat, command C. Yes. <laughs> Oh, moving on. Let's talk a little arena of valor. So, uh, the mobile game that Riot wish they would have made continues to grow as a mobile esport. If they have, have announced the 2018 Arena of Valor International Championship, which will feature 16 teams from different regions, including India, for the first time, hopefully lacking in some uh, aimbot programs. Yeah, I don't think the aimbot program is going to help too much in this uh, type of game. Got to uh, sideload it on that Android. <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody out there still playing. That's one of the things you have to worry about in terms of like mobile, uh, mobile mobas is is people playing with like keyboard or mouse. In yeah, some especially way. when it's on the Android platform because it's quite yeah. a bit easier to hack than on iOS. So a six hundred thousand dollar prize pool uh, for this said esport of mobile variety. Words are coming to be very easily. Uh, I I feel like Arena of Valor now probably has the best shot to pick up the baton from Vainglory or Clash Royale when it comes to being a worldwide accepted eSport. I think Vainglory blew an opportunity here, and I don't want to make this completely about Vainglory, but they did blow an opportunity here. They were very popular in a lot of these same regions where Arena of Valor is now popular. We've talked about Riot dropping the baton and not going mobile when they should have. But I think an important thing to talk about here briefly is about just the mobile esports in general and how it's very easy for us, and we do this all the time, right? You and I get very hyped up about the numbers that take place in PUBG, the numbers that take place in Fortnite on mobile. But when it comes to physical esports, it has not had its time in the sun as we were maybe predicting a year ago when Vainglory and Clash Royale were really coming to prominence and it looked like they were going to throw a bunch of money at it. And we're just not seeing that. And Arena Valor probably... The most valid opportunity, I guess, to, to really make it as a mobile esport. I don't know. What are your thoughts? 
Well, I think it's definitely it's had a few chances here in the United States. I believe I believe uh, Amazon's already had it at one of their like side events. Yeah, they had like a World Cup event in L.A. too. Yeah, yeah. So it's been there before. It's uh, done really well on Twitch at times. Now, I don't know where necessarily if that's a, a North American audience. Uh, it kind of falls in that same kind of group. I'm Well, sorry, it's, it's much larger than Shadowverse, but it's one of those games that's trying to kind of butt its way in into the North American market. Spend a lot of money getting well-known streamers to stream it. Well, yeah. I Which mean, is not, not a bad strategy, to be fair. No, it's it's not, and I think that's one of the things where they they're trying to push into this market um, because if you can capture this, that's amazing. And of course, Tencent wants a piece of it everywhere. I think Reno Valor was also one of the games that was supposed to be at the Asian Games. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely not a small game. It is much larger, but it's just not huge in North America. Now, throwing a a huge tournament, getting all these different regions, might make people in North America pay more attention to it. Might get more, that, that kind of like regionality piece of we need to beat Europe or we need to not cook Korea out again. <laughs> anyways, um, sorry, this is the only time I'm ever going to get like to laugh and say that. Um, but anyways, I, I think it, it could make it. I don't think that. A one-off tournament is going to happen. I think they need to get no. some esports teams involved in some way. Right. Like if they TSM, keep going the country route with yeah. this game, yeah, I think you have to you have to get some notable teams. Weirdly enough, uh, into it, like like I said, TSM. You need an actual nine. league running. You need to give it more than like six weeks' notice. You need to really put some long-term investment. <laughs> Definitely in it. more than six weeks' notice. I I don't necessarily say you have to have a league, but I think you need to have uh, a. A noticeable tournament structure, one-off tournaments. Uh, and- you can go like the invitational route, right? Like I'd be fine if this ended yeah. up like a CS:GO type situation where maybe you just had four events a year, but you invited like actual organizations that allowed them to get involved, where they feel like it's worth it to field a team. Yeah, and I'm sure there are esports organizations that are definitely involved. I mean, it's that's. I'm not saying that they're not involved. I just think some notable ones in North America, if you're able to kind of get that, get them on board. Um, and make it, I don't know, it just, it's not North America very, very much. And you, you kind of see that with a couple of games. Like I mentioned, Shadowverse is very, is one of those that's hugely popular in Japan, like huge. Uh, and they have, they've had a couple of like North American, uh, streams that have done well and they have really tried to make a push for it. Mm-hmm. Um, they've actually found that, uh, from an English speaking audience, um, just getting even casters in that area is really important to them, even for like Japan, uh, Japanese streams. Right. Uh, so I, I think it's funny because I, I feel like most, most game, most games that are really popular in North America are always trying to grab like that audience in China and vice versa. <laughs> and now it's like flipped. They're trying to get the audience in yeah. North America. Well, because it, this is not a hundred percent true, but I do feel like you're always going to get a much larger player base if you get big in China versus if you get big in the U.S. We see this play out a time and time again when there's an esports event happening. And like when you look at the global numbers, 80% of them are coming from China. But I do think sponsorship money that comes from the West is, is very important to a healthy esport because they tend to get outside of Korea, they tend to get bigger brands when it comes to the Western market. You know, they want those ESPNs, those T-Mobiles, you know, those big Coke and all that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, And so that's why the Western market is important to them because it doesn't necessarily mean this is going to be a massive game that is going to get, you know, hundreds of millions of fans in the U.S. But if they can get enough of a foothold there, combine it with their Chinese market presence, 
bring over some decent, you know, Western sponsors, that does make a big difference. I was just clicking around on the ESL website, which does run an Arena of Valor League through a couple of different regions. And just to make your point here, the North American region at the last uh, 2018 Fall Series featured Venivitivici, Tribe Gaming, Pride Stark, Toxic, Drawn to Fame with no logo, and Allegiance. So clearly, from right. an organization standpoint, when it comes to at least ESL's league, uh, they're not the organizations we are used to seeing. There's a lot of homegrown type situations, which, to be fair, is where we found Vainglory right. many years ago. But they did a good job of converting, even if they did you know, go all pear-shaped a couple years later. They definitely shown it was possible. And at least at the time, there was an appetite for it. Now, maybe some... People are burned. Maybe Arena of Valor doesn't have the same numbers they felt like Vainglory had. It's hard to compare apples to apples here, but it does feel like this game probably at this stage has the best chance because I feel like Clash Royale is just too off the beaten path for esports. I think it is a game that will always be big with the toilet gamer, but it's really, <laughs> really hard to justify it as an organization. You might have a player you know, similar to what you'd see in like a Hearthstone or something of that nature, but I don't think you're going to ever see it again at the scale you did, at least I wouldn't ever invest in Vainglory again as an esports organization, seeing what they've done to that esports program. And the irony is that Vainglory had North American and EU markets. They didn't have anything in like the Chinese or Asian regions. They, they just weren't really there. They were trying to get in that area, right. but they were mostly focused on North American and uh, European markets. And, and now they've decided to essentially ditch esports for a year. And in doing so, Arena Valor uh, and Tencent just made that huge push. And they know, like, we have to capitalize on it now. Because even so, even if Vainglory does, uh, well, well, they are getting back into esports. And they are trying to get things spun back up. Yeah. And now they have this whole PC platform. We're not sure how that's going to play in yet. Right, right, right. And now that they have all this, it's not... It's not going to help, like, help them gain the market share back if... if Arena of Valor is pushing that much harder in there. And Correct. when you've got 10 cents money... I was going to say, Vainglory may be the only eSport floating around right now that does not have either Activisions or 10 cents money involved. Right, right. And so 10 cents is just going to make that try and push you out of that market and you left the door wide open you didn't just leave it open like you left it like a fully loaded like you rolled bar. out the red carpet there's sparklers like everybody's coming in i what kind of, what kind of parties you throwing man yeah, sparklers, what, sparklers, sparklers we got the candle party. again we, we got, got the, the candle again and yes. and the the blue mood lighting. Mood lighting you can't tell me that does not put you in the mood to talk esports but the candle and the mood lighting i I don't know what it puts me in the mood for. Well, uh, this is a this is a PG thirteen podcast, sir. There will I be no talk. I can't that. do the what was it the elevated cursing? What Advanced was... cursing. We are only allowed basic cursing. Basic. I got it. Got it. Yes, I have not gotten a definition of that, and I do not want to test its boundaries quite yet. Maybe right. episode three. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Innuendo until then. Yes. Exactly. Uh, moving on. Let's talk a little bit of Black Ops Four. Follow up from uh, some of the stats we saw flying around uh, last week when we talked about this. The biggest thing to come out since then is the game has exceeded five hundred million dollars in its first three days, which ties it with sales for Call of Duty World War Two, which hit the same figure in three days as well in twenty seventeen. Clearly, cutting the single player campaign has not hurt the initial uptake of the game. No, it's not. And I think uh, Treyarch made the right call. The The learnings from Overwatch and the different modes uh, and what people were looking for, I, I, they made the right call. They didn't burn their time. And historically, Call of Duty has been known for like that first person yep. uh, going on. Yep, it's all about single-player And so being that these games are essentially made 
Um, so while Call, uh, Black Ops 4 is, is out now, you still have other Call of Duties that are being made or they're already in flight because they essentially are working with different studios. I, I don't know, do do you, you pivot with the next round of Call of Duties knowing like this is how well this is done? There was an interesting talk around how um, like blackout mode, now that it's a normal thing, right? It's been included. Yep. How do you drop another Call of Duty game without a blackout mode? You have to almost have yeah, that absolutely. mode, right? Right. Or, or how, how do you spin blackout mode off to its own thing? Because obviously it has legs, it has staying power. I don't know what you, what you do at this point. It's, it's so successful, but you've basically made three games. Yeah, yeah. And you've put yourself, as we talked about last week, you put yourself in this weird position where the continuity between titles starts to matter a little bit more if you want people to really invest the money long term in the game. Like, I think the business model is going to have to change at some right. point. And combining that with like we now just need a black you know we need a blackout mode every time and so we're gonna have a blackout mode and whatever the next you know World War themed game is and they just go through and every year we just get tweaks to the same game mode. Do you? But but do you? I, don't but, know. I mean, historically, Call of Duty's had like a one year shelf life, yep. right? Every time another Call of Duty, you kind of just wait till like November, October, November, generally November, it kind of drops, and then that's when you just okay, you get you. Put the old Call of Duty away, and you play the new Call of Duty. It's like the EA games, right? Like, it's just the the yearly franchise that comes out. And I don't know. We'll see. I, I think you have to. I mean, from a game mode standpoint, you clearly cannot drop Blackout mode above everything else. I think it's safe to say that the initial hype around this game, especially with the lack of single-player campaign, largely came from the Blackout mode. Because if you look at the people, for example, that made the demo popular on Twitch that got people excited about the game, largely were people that were coming from PUBG and Fortnite that were known for their Battle Royale playing. And without Blackout mode, I don't think you see a Ninja, a Dr. Disrespect, a Shroud necessarily playing Black Ops 4 this go-around. Okay, so you did mention something here. Then This is something I, I was wanting to bring up. Um, and it has a lot of uh, the Call of Duty um, community, some some of them, uh, largely Reddit, but whatever, um, upset is that when that demo came out, servers were running at 60 tick, yep. right? And now God, here we go again. they're running 20 tick, which is different, right? Yep. And so uh, the question comes is... Uh, did you because the the initial not granted games games fun I, I'm not knocking that right but, but we're you, talking about professional now no no the no, bar no. is higher no no what I'm saying is like you released a demo that was running better than what you released no no and that's public. what I'm saying you have a higher bar now because it's not just a game that you're playing and having fun with right like the esports implications we saw this with Overwatch speaking of learning lessons from Overwatch we saw Overwatch go through this pain with the server tick remember and they were like right. oh we're not updating frequently enough and now they've proven they can do it now it's obviously probably a scaling issue more so right. you know, server hardware situation and I get that but it does make a difference, and now you've shown people that the hard the software is capable of it, and that you can turn it on. So why aren't you running it? Well, I think it, it, it's equally that. I think the scaling thing is immediately where I went to. I'm like, holy crap! I'm sure it might have started day one at sixty, and then that <laughs> lasts. Like, oh for no, an hour. it actually scales based on the amount of people. We just have so many people that the servers have scaled down to twenty. Yeah, you have to. I, I think it's it's just uh, to keep the servers from like not exploding, but. I think what uh, some people are are pitching it as is that they were trying to up the buy-in, make it falsely seem a lot better than it was, say it was 60 tick, and then when you drop it, it's not. Now, granted, I think that's there's some tinfoil hat there because you and just I both— Just a little bit, yes. Well, you and I both know, right, that like 
you have to scale. And then when you've got this many people, when you've, you've just sold $500 million worth of stuff and you have, you're breaking all the previous records. Yep. Like you, you have to on the back end, you, you, I don't know if you prepare for that. I mean, Correct. we've seen them in the past, like uh, Blizzard has had some faulty launches here and there. Uh, just once division, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, the fact that there, there have been issues with this, but uh, generally this would have melted most, most most yep. games no i think somebody out. either did some stress testing realize holy crap this isn't going to happen or the servers dynamically scale and that's why it's right. down to 20 ticks instead of 60 ticks i'm not saying it's how you should play like 60 no. ticks is obviously preferred but i doubt it is some sort of tinfoil hat thing because i'll be honest the average consumer the majority and this is what people tend to forget when they go on their reddit crusades the majority of the non-vocal majority do not give right. the majority of the majority of the majority maiden voyage the majority of folks don't give a flying crap about the server tick. Right. They do not. They would have bought this game one way or the other. And to be quite honest, most of you complaining about it, if you had fun, would have bought it anyway. And had someone not discovered it, you probably wouldn't even notice. Right. And I think some people, I th- think that's the case. And uh, for those who, I guess, don't necessarily know, we've never really explained what tick is, um, but it's basically how often that the server updates. So like, if you're, if you're shooting, there's... Um, it happened basically in Overwatch largely is what people really brought this to the forefront. Uh, CSGO runs at what, like 60 tick as well, I think. Right. So essentially what happens is, is, uh, the server is updating so fast that when you, when you do shoot something, it kind of records that almost in real time and doesn't make any kind of adjustments to it. Like it would like, it doesn't try to predict essentially whether the bullet would hit or not. Right. Predict wrong. So, so there's sometimes like when Overwatch, if you've ever watched a review of you dying, you're like, that didn't even hit me. Well, it's because, well, technically it just made the adjustment like it did because of how often the server did, yada, yada, yada. We're on 60 tick. It, it's far more accurate. And so, so that's where actually we see a lot of teams uh, go and play like uh, like PUBG, for instance. And you always talk about they're like, oh, it's way different when you play on land because on land they're playing on 60 tick when they're not on some other server. So you yep. see teams that are really good on online play because they've got that adjustment period or that adjustment. Uh, but then when you actually are... When you have to hit in real time, it, is, it feels different. It changes right. things up. It, it's like when you go... You know, for the really top tier bleeding edge player, it's like switching from like a hundred to a two hundred forty hertz monitor, or it's going from like sixty to one hundred twenty frames per second. There's a lot of these things that the average player not going to really see. They might feel it from time to time. They might blame it a lot, just like when people blame their ping for sucking. Uh, but the reality is, is it, that's what is different between land play and normal play. I agree with you. Not a tinfoil hat situation, though. Clearly, people have put on their tinfoil hats. Right. I think it's just a game that is scaling at a rate higher than they expected. And it is in their best interest not to overscale if the game doesn't have legs, especially on PC, right? If this turns out to be something where, like, three months down the road, we've all gone back to Fortnite, or we've gone on to the next Battle Royale game that's coming out. I saw a cool one come out today that's, like, Might and Magic as a Battle Royale, which is pretty dope. There's, like, fireballs and shit. (laughs) But uh, if that ends up not being the case, and they buy all this, you know, they provision all this extra server hardware, then, like... The player base declines by sixty percent on PC. Then it's not necessary anymore to be at that scale. So we'll see. But kudos to Triarch. Kudos to Black Ops Four. Continues to uh, keep on rolling. We're gonna move on to the meat of the show, which is League of Legends and Worlds. And I don't even know where to start, other than well, we you, can... you you start by burning any kind of uh, uh, any kind of bracket that you had yes, that had there are two a Korean people, team anyway. two people in the world's pickums as of yesterday that had 
their bracket's still at 100%. A 50-50 chance now. Two. Two people. And those people are probably like that girl at your office who just picks based on the colors of the jerseys that she likes. you know. And, and the, the other one's a, the do- the office dog. <laughs> one of those ones you see on YouTube that's like, pick which team by running to the dog bowl. And they go and they, yeah, they pick the Yeah, it's pretty much that. There's like, a, like an octopus with some like ping pong balls. Yeah, but- yeah, and there's a goat. I don't know. They all do crazy stuff. So... At the beginning of Worlds, you and I went through our usual cynical cycle. We were like, oh, this could be the year, but it's probably not going to be the year that NA breaks through or EU breaks through. Maybe, and you and I predicted, maybe this would be the year China finally surpasses Korea. And as it stands at this current moment, they have the least chance of any region. Well, they have equal chance at NA, but least, you know, low, tied for lowest chance to take it away. And you and I would have never in a million years predicted that this would be what the final four looks like no no i mean historically uh so first off this is the first time that korea has not made it to the semifinal round uh or has just basically just <laughs> not gone this far um since they they've they've had worlds um this i think the the, the point that it should be made here is that Korean teams didn't cannibalize themselves. So they didn't knock themselves out. No, not Every, this time. Everybody who is in the semifinals, um, you've got Cloud9, Fnatic, Invictus Gaming, G2. All of them had to go through a Korean team to get there. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't two Korean teams knocking each other out and they right, right. had a less of a chance. They had just as much chance as anybody else. And they just they didn't make it. No, no. So Invictus took out KT Rolster, the best team in Korea. G2 took out Royal Never Give Up, favorites to win the entire tournament of the LPL. Cloud9 took out Africa Freaks, and Fnatic took out Edward Gaming. It is just insane. And that's not even to talk about teams like Gen G, the former Samsung Galaxy team, that finished fourth in their group. Like, this is insane to me. I am stoked. This is the first Worlds where I feel like anybody can freaking win it. I have no idea. It's not going to be a Korean team finally. There is a chance it will be an EU team. Seven. Look at me for a second. I know. There is a chance. There is a better chance than any other region that it will be an EU team. This <laughs> this is this is, somebody's gonna have to kick me. I'm like like Am six, I drunk? I, I'm six levels deep right now. Somebody's gotta kick out the chair from underneath because like things are getting loopy here. But no, it's it's what is amazing is that going into this. Uh, everybody assumed North America was just done for, right? Cloud Nine yep. had gone from 10th place to the finals of the LCS, had a shaky finals even, yep. won it, uh, and then get through the, um, get through this, get thrown into the group of death, make it out of the group of death, and here they are sitting at the semis with two rookies. I know. Two rookies. Gen G, Team Vitality, and Royal Never Give Up were all in group B with Cloud9. Take that in for a second. <laughs> and And they're not who, who's left? I, I mean, so let's look at this, right? So where we are at the current moment, we're going to have G2 Esports and against Invictus and Cloud9 versus Fnatic. Cloud9 has a really damn good shot at making it to finals. We could have right. an EUNA finals. We could have an all EU finals. That's That's crazy talk crazy talk and we you and i are very guilty of giving the eu lcs a lot of shit but and this is just a random aside we do not need to go down this rabbit hole but how good would it be for eu lcs franchising numbers 
if we get an all EU LCS finals. Well, yeah. How much does the value of EU LCS go up? Even now where we're at, it is now far more legitimate of a purchase than it was based on results earlier up until we got to world. Yeah. I mean, do you, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, do you just like auto include any kind of franchising to Fnatic and G2 at this point? If they're not already, I'm assuming they're already in anyways, but still like, it's just, uh, do they even have to fill out a form like for this magical run? But let's let's um, let's look at the, the the difference here. Those G two has to go up against Invictus. I feel like that I, I, Cloud Nine dodged a bullet there because I feel like yep. Invictus is super super strong. I in, in all honesty, I see Invictus in at the end, and Cloud Nine Fanatic is going to be tough if Sneaky shows up and it, it, and if. Uh, Cloud9 plays like they played against Africa. Like, there is a strong... They 3-0'd Africa, by the way. <laughs> that's, that's not right. That, those words don't happen. Those is technically I'm not reversed. making that up, folks. And it's just nuts. It's nuts. Um, uh, I was watching some of the stuff, uh, some of the highlights earlier, uh, just at least on the last match. Well, I was watching last match, but I was watching highlights in general. But, like, that Baron Steel by licorice at the end where he just basically just just punches it straight up punches baron at the end with Orin, like simply because uh africa chose to focus on licorice and he just decided i'm not hitting anything but baron <laughs> and so they end up getting that steal when they shouldn't have it was i think uh i think they're already down like two i think it was like a 5v3 and they were just like, okay, they've retreated. We're automatically just going to hand over a Baron to Afrika. And then somehow they come back and steal. It made no sense. But they just had so many things there. And I think one of the things they talk about is like, Korea has historically always set the meta, right? Yep. Which has been the challenge for non-Korean teams, the Chinese getting the closest, which is trying to figure out the strange Korean-led dynamic meta that tends to happen at Worlds. Right. And what happened, I think, with Cloud9 is that they just basically gave over uh the top line pick right and they went a little strange with some of their top line choices but they gave over that top line picks and they just countered everything else so they almost handed over one lane but they're causing so much hell in all the other lanes that uh africa was just behind for the entire time yep some it just their picks and and how they've been playing now sneaky had a, a, a shaky was it quarterfinal no uh like the final, like in the group stage, I think he had a shaky group stage, but man, he was alive here at the end. And I still, I mean, come on, licorice. I, I just, I don't know. Or, he or, you just should have brought your Cloud Nine shirt today because you, so, you are Homer in it right now. In hundred percent transparency, I was late because I was looking for it. Oh, so now I know what was up. You were like, I have to wear it. I have to represent. I was, I was like, I mean, I, I have my Spitfire hat on, so I'm kind of adjacently supporting. But no, I was 100% looking for it, but I'm in the middle of moving, so it's in a box somewhere. Uh, but I'm like, ah, oh. and I was like, screw it, I'm just going to buy one. I was already on, like, if you look at my phone, I think it's actually the hoodie that's up on my on my phone right now. Uh, anyways, yeah, so Cloud9 is going to get more money out of this for me. But it's, this, is, this is an awesome run, though. This no, is just, amazing You have run. to get behind this. But we also have to talk about G2 for a minute, because G2, let's talk about... Royal Never Give Up, Spring Split winners, MSI winners, Summer Split winners, and G2 beats them. Uh, Royal Never Give Up literally just had to... They should have won this tournament. This was their year. They had everything going for them. And 
for G2 to come out of effectively nowhere. I'm sorry, but if it's an EU LCS team, we're saying effectively out of nowhere. Royal Never Give Up went 5-2, and two, topped their group. Like, they were rolling, and G2 took them out. And G2's not even the top seed out of Europe. Isn't this a... Isn't G G two is the one that had it was it not last year was it was it last year they were talking about like maybe not even having enough money because they didn't get in they applied for uh, uh, NALCS didn't get in and we're talking about the fact that they may not even have the money to continue going on or it's not worthwhile and he, now here they are like they were on board to like possibly just tank it uh, it might have been two years ago. But they were just they were tanking pretty hard, and now here they are. Yeah, they and, went out in Group C last year with a three and three record up against RNG and Samsung Galaxy. So they, I mean, this is this is not at all what we expected. No, not at all. It, 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 on all honesty, it might have actually been uh, the fact that they they've lost previously to RNG. They are an EU team, and RNG may not have just focused or given them the benefit of doubt that they they should have because. Obviously, it snuck up on them, and Definitely. in doing so, we have the most like so often the script has been flipped in this in this world of it, and this is amazing. If you talk about like the numbers, the numbers right now that the the LCS is seeing or that Riot is seeing now for Worlds is topping the charts, and this is coming on the heels interesting. of. Yeah, it's because it's interesting. It's we know something it's going to happen. It's not teasing us for the first time in years. Every year, it's like maybe this will be the year. Won't won. You know, whether it's the TSM narrative, whether it's the end of the Faker era, whether it's the LPL finally being the LCK, it is all happening. And in a way, none of us ever expected. And it is drawing in, as you mentioned, an audience on Twitch larger than they've seen for Worlds. It's amazing. And this is what this is what Riot and League of Legends as an esport needed. We needed a oh, world yeah. that drew in people other than Korea that really, and again, you know, I can't stop talking about the fact that this is perfect timing. We come out of the first franchise NALCS season. We're about to head into the first franchise EU LCS season, and we have three of the four teams from those two regions. We have the Chinese market, which is massive for Riot, that now has an LPL team that is likely going to make it to the finals or has a very damn good shot of doing it. This is the best narrative that Riot could have hoped for in worlds and we are talking 1.81 million hours watched on october 14th one day holy crap this is amazing it, it, it is truly uh if if riot at the beginning of just the beginning of time of riot could have said hey what is the best case scenario we could ever look for in the terms of a world event boom right here the closest they've gotten well so they beat this only once at 1.88 million back in April, but it required both the spring finals for EU and the spring finals for NA on the same day. It took two separate final regional finals of the spring split to surpass what one day of Worlds was able to do. That's craziness. This is craziness. Absolutely what, crazy. Crazy world we live in. It is. The upside down, I'm telling you. Uh, so we have to talk a little bit, and this is not about the teams that are currently left in the tournament, but the one that is no longer for the NA, which is 100 Thieves. Now, 100 Thieves was getting a fair amount of criticism already back during the world's play-ins phases, near the end of the summer split of NALCS. People were already predicting there was going to be a problem, and they didn't necessarily want 100 Thieves to represent the NA. 
Now, to be clear, NA always has one of the three teams that is weak. Ironically, it's often TSM that doesn't make it very far, and it's Cloud9 that always surprises us and goes further. This time it was 100 Thieves, but for some reason, 100 Thieves is getting it far worse than any of the other NA teams have when they've fallen out of Worlds. People, it's like they had already built this narrative up in their head, and they're like, well, they fell out like we expected them to, and just unloaded on them. Reddit has just like lost their freaking mind on 100 Thieves. Well, I think Reddit lost their mind a long time ago on a lot of things. And what's funny whoa, is whoa, I, careful, I, I, careful. I, I do not agree with anything that he's saying, Reddit. Just be nice. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm on Reddit all the time. But there's definitely times when people jump on a bandwagon and they want to feel like they've been wronged in some way, shape, or form. Or, or um, that there's some kind of conspiracy thing or whatever going on. And I get that... 100 these hasn't been the most transparent with some of their moves, like Meteos and the benching of players, right? Like the, the trading of Meteos was just weird. And then having to bench players on, on top of it, and, and you're throwing in rookies from like your next tier team, and you're like, why? It, it's because they're just not good at relaying those, the inner workings of stuff. And as they had mentioned, like Nate had mentioned, like we don't want to throw things out there because. Uh, it give you the inner working of roster changes or who's benched and who's doing what because we want to protect players. We want to protect coaching, like just the integrity of everything. And we yep. get it, right? And I think people just wanted to look for a scapegoat. I think they were they were gearing up for this because they knew NA wasn't going to make it very far is what the assumption was. And like you yep. mentioned, Cloud9 ends up being the outlier a lot of times. Which, and TSM, which happens every year. Right. And TSM didn't make it. So that everybody's already feeling like, well, NA has no shot just well, to be damned. For perspective, 2017 group stage, Cloud9 squeaks by at 3-3 three and three to take second in Group A. TSM out in third in Group D. Immortals fourth in Group B. And they had a stronger showing, technically speaking, this season than they did last season. And we gave TSM some shit, to be clear, but not to the degree that we have decided to unload on 100 Thieves. And that's what bothers me. Is like, yes, they've screwed up. But I would say, arguably... What TSM did was worse because they blew it with what was a very solid squad that had dominated most of the season. We were used to the inconsistency of 100 Thieves. That is not a new narrative to Worlds. Right. And if you also look at it, too, I think somebody brought up a good point. Is like everything that people were kind of criticizing uh, 100 Thieves about, Cloud9 essentially did the same thing. But the thing is, is Cloud9's winning, right? And so... And Cloud9 is a more established brand than 100 Thieves. And so a lot of people are saying, like, this is the downside of franchising. You get these people in here that don't know how to run orgs, whatever, blah, 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 blah. I mean, they, they're not new to esports. No. This isn't like... Shot's a longtime veteran. <laughs> right, right. This isn't... Uh, this isn't somebody coming. This isn't like Comcast coming in and being like, "Yes, we've got a team. We love this e-gaming stuff." And you're like, "Wait a minute, damn it, we're so screwed." No, I mean this is it's the baseball jerseys. This what throws people off. It, it probably is. It throws a lot of people. Yeah, if they ditch those baseball jerseys, I'd own some hundred thieves merch. If I'm being honest, I've seen a lot of those things at conventions. Which I just is, don't. I don't like the look. And I, and I think the reason why they stand is because they look like baseball jerseys. I'm like, what's sports ball doing here? <laughs> I don't have a stick. <laughs> anyways uh, uh i don't really know what the hell i was talking about but uh whatever i it's it, it, it shouldn't be it, damn it the, reddit the hate, find something else to spend your time the hate towards 100 thieves isn't uh worthwhile to, i mean this is a a a new team that has made it this far like why why are people being like holy crap the rookie team has made it this far instead they're like oh we're so screwed because of it it's because 
100 Thieves or whoever took 100 Thieves spot was not going to be our best chance at Worlds. If this was TSM, we'd be in the same boat. They'd have their, what, I think their third, fourth straight out in third place in a group stage because that's what they do every season. So don't think that if we put Bergson and crew in this seat that somehow we would have a different narrative. We'd be in the same spot. History history stating this is what happens. Cloud9 figures it out somehow. We've just gotten lucky that that somehow has lasted much farther into the tournament than we're used to. And if you look at the group that they were in, too, like TSM wouldn't have made it out of that group either. Oh, no. No. Not a chance. Not the way they've been playing this season. No, no. Is so, it Victus and Fnatic? Fnatic went 6-1. and one. What was right. D- I mean, what was TSM going to do? I mean, if you look at it, we're in the semis, and two people that came from that group are in the semis. Yep. So, yeah. uh, Nope. Sorry, TSM. 100 Thieves yeah. wouldn't have mattered. Liquid, 100 Thieves. I think if you would have put Cloud9, if I'm, being, if I'm being transparent, I think if you would have put Cloud9 in that group instead of 100 Thieves, it might have been harder. I don't know the Cloud9 would have made it out of there because they had a diff. I mean, they definitely like Team Vitality and Gen G. Don't get me wrong, like Gen G, you know, former Samsung Galaxy, former World Champions, like that should have happened. But I do think Group D turned out to be a much harder group than people anticipated compared to Group B. Yeah, especially yeah, if you're an NA team, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just in general, yeah, if you're an NA team. So we'd love to hear what you think about this. Like, is this? Are you watching Worlds this season more so than you would have in the past? Especially now that we've got so much EU and NA representation. Let us know. Hit us up on our social channels at E League Podcast, both on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you want to talk about it directly with us, you can over at our Discord at discord.eleagereport.com. Man, I'm just I'm stoked. I am stoked for a Worlds more so than I normally am. Which means you are going to have to do that horrible thing where yeah. we go to BlizzCon all day, load up on the Red Bull, and then watch Worlds all night. Yep. I was just going to say, <laughs> this This just makes BlizzCon this more entertaining. It really does. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. As always, you can check this show out every Monday and Thursday over on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just head over to eleaguereport.com for all the ways to listen and subscribe. And while you're over there on iTunes, be sure to leave us a five-star review as that juices them algorithms and make sure that uh, we get to keep our job, which is like super important. Yeah, at least top twenty. Week. By the way, thank you, folks. Top twenty video game podcast after the first episode. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Well, that's the only thing that saved us. That's the only reason you're listening to us now. <laughs> They're like, all right, you know, you can stay on the island for another week. There you go. There you go. Yes, and of course, if that is not enough esports content for you, be sure to check out Esports Daily, our daily top headlines podcast, as an Amazon Echo Flash briefing, or via all the aforementioned podcast apps. And that's going to do it for this episode. We'll be back on Thursday with the midweek edition of the Evening Report.